It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Aliza Ben Shalom is the founder of Marriage Minded Mentor, a company that focuses on helping singles get married. She aims to connect singles globally with skilled matchmakers and dating coaches. Aliza's impressive track record helped her land a Netflix series called Jewish Matchmaking, and she's known worldwide as the Jewish dating guru, as she has successfully led over 200 singles through the steps to engagement, regardless of age, affiliation, or life stage. Aliza is the author of two books, and for more than 15 years, she has worked with men and women worldwide to break unhealthy patterns and foster relationships that lead to marriage. During this time, she has trained more than 350 dating coaches and matchmakers across the globe. She now lives in Israel with her husband, five children, and a lovable dog. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Stronger Marriage Connection Podcast. I'm Dr. Dave here at USU Extension, alongside Dr. Liz Hale, our licensed clinical psychologist. We are bringing you the best research and some resources, tips, and tools to help you create the marriage of your dreams. All right. Are you ready for a crazy, interesting episode today? Oh, I love it. I'm loving this. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited for this. Our guest today is a Jewish dating guru, coach, and marriage expert starring in the Netflix show, Jewish Matchmaking. Welcome to the show, Aliza Ben Shalom. Thank you so much for having me. Oh man, we're, we are thrilled that you are willing to come on all the way from Israel, by the way, folks. She, she is going a uh, different time zone and everything, so she is uh, very gracious with her time today. Thanks for your willingness to come on the show and, and talk about relationships and, and matchmaking with us. Now, we have to start things off, Aliza, by asking you to tell us a bit more about your background, um, what you do, and how you, how you got started in this. So I grew up Jewish, and I would call it more secular than observant. And in my mid-20s, I became more observant and faith-based. I connect very much with a lot of faith-based people, uh, especially relationship faith-based people. They're my favorite kind of people. We speak the same language. And uh, after I got married, I had a couple kids, and I wanted to do something to keep myself busy and to also give back to the community. And I started online as a Jewish matchmaker. And it was a volunteer position where you just support community members and try to make matches. And it started out very, you know, casually and very conveniently around when my kids would take naps or things like that. And then it developed into this strong passion of wanting to help singles to find their soulmate. And I created a business and I started coaching other coaches and other matchmakers and matchmaking other singles and coaching and doing online programs. And it has just snowballed into something really gigantic. Yeah. It really has. So it just kind of grew and snowballed and you made new connections. And this, this is now, um, this is like this worldwide sensation, this Jewish matchmaking, your own show and all of this. That's, that's pretty awesome. Congratulations. 
Thank you. Good yeah, for it's been you. Very exciting. Very exciting. Dave, have you ever had single friends and you tried to be a matchmaker? Have you ever been successful at getting people together, introducing them? I've tried to introduce them. I don't know if I could go into it because I'm not that successful. So she's got must have the secret sauce or something. <laughs> Nobody's really that successful if you want the truth. That's how no. matchmaking works. Yeah, like 99% of the time you're wrong. And then 1% you're right. Mazel tov, yay, congrats, woo it worked. And then every other time it's just a bad match. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. I remember being single, Lisa and Dave, and people would often say to me, oh, you know, I know a, I know a nice guy. He's single and you're single. That, that's about all we had in common, right? <laughs> we were both single. Uh, but Aliza, I, my heart, I just uh, have a very tender feeling towards singles because I was very old when we got married. My husband and I were 50 when we found each other. And I went through some really desperate times before that. There was a dating service out of business now, probably been, went bankrupt. I think they, they didn't have some good business practices, great expectations. But it was the first time I'd ever been sold a bill of goods and felt that pressure that on the spot I had to sign on the dotted line. It was this price or it was going to go away, right? And it was thousands of dollars, I'm afraid to admit. You, they prey on that kind of your feeling of your heart where you just have that desperateness of, I just want to meet that special person. It's not, I just want to say though, it's not because we also do matchmaking, coaching. We do a lot of different services. The pressure is also on us. We are either, oh my gosh, you found my person, my savior, or we are a complete failure and a complete waste of time. It got me dates, but like it didn't really get me anywhere. I could have done it better on my own. And the this for us, the stakes are very high. Nobody wants to take money and not follow through and give you what you want. But the only option is soulmate or bust. Like that's it. I could produce your soulmate or I am an utter failure and it doesn't work. And, and if they're like, but do you have a guarantee? I said, yeah, the guarantee is I will get you dates unless you want an arranged marriage. There's no guarantee of marriage unless you're going to, if you tell me yes to whatever I say, I'm going to set you up. We have a marriage tomorrow. No problem. But everybody's got free will. So it does take more than two to tango. I, I did not, Lisa, just so you know, I did not get one date from that service. I think they went out of business shortly after. I mean, it was just that unfortunate. No, you're, suppo you're supposed to get dates through the process. That's you make a very good point, right? That the, the, you only, the only thing you can guarantee are that you can connect people together. Outside of that, there is no promise. And, and you know, as high quality, as, as, as much of a match as there can be, but you have to still realize anything other than your soulmate is a wrong match. It's not going to look good, sound good, feel good. Even if 80% is right. Hey, that 20% that was wrong. Wow. You didn't really get it. You didn't really nail it. And it's not that it's really, we're, we're aligning people on so many levels that it is, I tell people it's the hardest job in the world. I, you know, people who deal with life and death and, and other things are like, I don't think that, you know, I don't think your job is harder than mine. I said, listen, I could just tell you, try doing matchmaking. It's, it's very challenging. Cause you're dealing with those tender hearts, right? On both sides. So I, I really admire that you've taken this deep plunge. I'd love to know, Dave, and I would love to both know, what are some of the tools and principles you share in your coaching and working with couples that you think are most helpful that any religion, any faith, any belief can use? In terms of meeting, so first of all, I tell people um, the way that I understand the world, and I think that a lot of faith-based people feel the same way, is that um, there is a divine purpose and and 
everything comes down in the way that it's supposed to be. Your person's here. They're living. They're breathing. They exist in this world today. You don't know where they are? I don't know where they are. It's a little bit of a game of Where's Waldo? Let's go in the world and search for them and find them. But what do we know on every page of Where's Waldo? We know there's a Waldo, right? So I know there's a soulmate. And even if somebody's divorced, you have the opportunity to have a new soulmate. And even if somebody's, you know, passed away and they're widowed, no problem. You can have a new soulmate. The only rule about soulmates is that you can only have one at a time. So <laughs> pick one, yeah. marry one. <laughs> wow. Um, so that, just that's looking for that one. That's and that I mean, listen, there's not only one person that you could choose. We all have free will. There are more than one potential soulmate that could exist in the world. But in that moment that you choose to marry them, that's the moment that we make them our soulmate. Anybody before then, like, oh, I thought they were the one, but they weren't. They were just a potential soulmate. They weren't your soulmate. If you didn't marry them, they weren't your soulmate. Once you marry them, you make them your soulmate. That's the moment that the making of a soulmate happens is when I pick you and you pick me. It's a mutual agreement because in this world, we have, we have free will. We can choose what we want. And then if that person's no longer here or not in our life, we can choose again. We can bring somebody new into our lives. So the number one thing is your person's here and, and you have the opportunity at any age or stage to find them. I really love that mindset that there is hope and he, he or she is around here. What, how do you match people? What are some of the areas that you feel make someone a match to at least meet? Okay. So I have actually my list here that I'm bringing out because I have, um, I have a basic understanding and I try to make everything as simple as possible in terms of attraction and chemistry. There's both inside and outside. So of course we're going to have looks. That's a thing that's on the outside that there has to be something there that draws us in to the degree that we need it. You know, some people need a little more, some people a little less, but it is a motivating factor in a match personality. It builds an emotional connection. It builds an attachment to the other person. So that's something that's important that it, there's an amount of alignment or there's an amount of play that can happen between a couple uh, something very strong, our values and beliefs, what I want, who I want to be, how I want to live my life is in alignment to a high degree with how you also want to live your life. And the more that we have in common there, the more I'm going to feel drawn towards you. And the more differences that we have, the more I'm going to be thinking, oh, maybe you're not my person because, oh, we're not aligned in that way. Um, and then there's two categories that are kind of like the negative side. One is fears. Everybody comes in with relationship fears, if your parents got divorced, if there was abuse or addiction, or if there was a negative relationship in your history, you're going to come in with some sort of relationship fear that you're going to have to deal with with your new person. Do they trigger that within you? Is that a turnoff? Is, is that something that's a problem for you? And also bothers, you know? Uh, you know, I love you, you love me, and I don't love that trait of yours. That bothers me. So we all have uh. the things that we love about people, but we all love the things that bother us. And to what degree? Like, is it not, if I can't handle it, it's a deal breaker. Forget it. Even if I like you and our values align, even if our personality looks, but if you have something that triggers me and I can't handle it, we can't move ahead. So we have to evaluate the good and make sure there's enough alignment. And we have to evaluate this other side and make sure that there's not a lot of friction and that it's acceptable. It's not aligned. It's not what I like, but it's not a deal breaker. It's not what I can't handle. Mm -hmm. Very sweet. Huh? Cool. It's a lot. That's a lot of factors to put together. But you know, I, okay. So I have a system that's really called Soulmate Clarity that takes these factors and I literally turn it into a graph or a chart. I could show you 
I know this is audio, but audio and video. So I could even show you what it looks like. Um, but it's so many clarity and it's like a pie chart of everything that I just told you. And it helps people to see what they're thinking and how they're feeling, because those are two things that we absolutely cannot evaluate. They're, they're just in our head. They're not, they're not there for us to digest. So here, I'm going to show you just for example, it looks something like this, which is, um, oh, hang on. Let me just, I got to get rid of the person's name. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. Please do. <laughs> yeah. oh, I gotta... Okay, there we go. So um, it looks like this where it has the overall soulmate potential here. And I'll give you a ranking on how much I think that you're matched and where and why. And then it evaluates the qualities, which is personality and values, the fears and the bothers and, and where we're going to really have friction. And overall, we give you a score that says, you know what? Actually, uh, no, you don't have soulmate potential. I don't care if you fixed five things. I don't care if you fixed 10 things. I don't care if you fixed almost everything except one thing. There's something in here that's definitely a deal breaker. It's never actually going to work. Or we could look at something where somebody's feeling very wishy-washy, like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. And I'm going, I don't know why you're not sure. This is a fantastic relationship. I've looked at thousands of charts and this one is <laughs> off the charts. Good. They're like, really? And I'm like, when have you ever been in a better relationship? They're like, I don't know, but maybe there's something better. And I'm like, no, there's not. <laughs> Just to let you know, this is not normal in a very good way. There's something spectacular about this. And I can pinpoint exactly what it is and I can show them. So it, 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 listen, when we're talking about relationships, everything lies in our heart. It sits there on our heart. It sits there in our mind. But if you can't see it to evaluate it, if we don't know what criteria we're really talking about, then it's just a thought. It's very hard to disagree with thoughts and get clarity on thoughts. You know, in my faith, I was in a singles congregation for like decades, right? Where everybody is a single in your, in your congregation. And there was that, that type of belief <clears throat> that, well, what if something better comes along, right? Two people would find each other and like each other. The men especially, sorry to say, would often say, oh, I don't know, maybe something better. So I, I love that you pinpoint this in the soulmate clarity. I think it's brilliant. I wonder if we can do that ourselves if we don't have you sitting by us. I know. So I actually am working on making it a self-sufficient system. Right now it works with a whole ranking system and it depends on how somebody interprets the question and if they, you know, get the system. And I am trying to make a more simplified version so that it could be user-based and I'm working on it. So I literally, we are in process of prototyping it right now. And I just, my only thing is that I want it to be accurate because if it's inaccurate, it could break up a good couple or it could bring together a wrong couple. So the stakes are very high. So I need it to be accurate. Yeah. I love that you take it so seriously. I do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm intense about this. Well, it's, it's one of the serious. I mean, one of the biggest decisions you'll ever make in your life. Um, but it's great to hear that you have the method to this madness and science and chart. I'm a very visual uh, person, Aliza. So having something that says, oh, okay, I can see where this aligns up in some areas that ah, I don't know if this is going to work or not. I, I, I'll bet that's really helpful for couples. Yeah, they, they absolutely love it. And it's not even that couples need it. What's very interesting is often, almost always, either one or the other side will need it, but not both. One person is bought in and the other person is just on the train <laughs> and they're not exactly, they're, they're on board and they're heading in the right direction. They're just not getting there fast enough. And there's some sort of a holdup. So one person 
doesn't actually need it. They have clarity and the other person's going, but I don't know, maybe, I mean, they could, it, it could be my person, but I'm, I'm just not <laughs> sure. I, maybe I need more time or whatever it is. So that fear, a lot of fear. Yeah. If you have both sides that are like, eh, maybe nobody's driving the train, nobody's going to get us to the destination. So that doesn't work. And when both people are very excited, nobody needs it because it's like, woohoo, we have to be careful of infatuation. That's the problem there. It's usually when one side or the other side has has some doubt. Yeah. I, I'm interested in, um, I'm sure there's success stories, right? Or, or you wouldn't still be in, in, in business. Are there some kind of long-term ones that have, you know, that you stay in touch with or that you've helped through the, the process? Can you walk us through without names or anything like that, but just, you know, give us a, give us an example of, of what has happened of a success story. In general, I find that the long-term success of relationships, I see couples who play, like they have banter, they have humor, they bounce back kind of like a two-year-old that is kicking and screaming on the floor. And you're like, want a cookie? And they're like, cookie, you know, and they pick themselves back up. So, so this couple that, that they get into this moment, they have this intense fight, right? And it's not one of those, like, you'll fight forever. It's either like, we go to bed and maybe go to bed angry. It's totally fine. Wake up angry. Totally fine. But live your life together also, you know, and you want to deal with your anger. So deal with it today. You don't. So tell your partner, Hey, I'm still angry. I'm going to deal with this later. We'll talk about it when I can handle it. Can't handle it today. So I think that the play, the banter, but then communication really carries a relationship and you don't have to have all the solutions. You just have to have the conversation so that people can handle what is coming their way. And, and if I know I don't like the place that we're in, but we're going to get to a better place, but not today, maybe tomorrow or in two days, or you need time to cool off or I need time to cool off. Okay. Now I have a game plan. Now I know what to do. So, um, uh, there's one couple that I'm thinking of and they had a very quick dating engagement relationship process. It was under three months and they quickly got married and they were solid in a way. And when a couple in the beginning is solid, it's, you know, normally like they're not solid, but in the beginning when they're solid, I'm like, Oh, mm, like two years in, you guys are going to have something. I don't know what it's going to be, but if you didn't have your challenge up front, you will have a challenge at some point. And then, you know, through the process of having children, that was difficult for them. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of stress, um, in terms of childbearing and, and things that were happening. And, and then they started to face those challenges. So, um, whatever tools a couple has, we have to know a couple of things. One, we're going to go up and we're going to go down. We're going to go up and down, but no spikes up and down. We don't want crazy highs and lows. And it's kind of like an escalator, like, you know, up, down, up, down, but, but we're always moving up, right? Even when you hit your down, you're higher up than the last one. And we should have more skills over time to handle what's happening. And the problems that we used to have we should have conquered those and we should have new problems, right? If you married long enough, you finish dealing with one thing and then you deal with another. And at the same time, there's things that are lifelong things like, oh, that's your thing. Oh, here we go again. Okay. Okay. Let's figure out how we're going to deal with this one. And then we should learn to adapt so that we can help ourselves and we can help our partner. We'll be right back after this brief message. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. 
But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And we're back. Well, let's dive right in. Wow. Is there a, is there a couple that stands out that you want to brag about, Elisa? Elisa, that came together under your good direction and help. Anybody there, stand out? Um, yes, there is a couple that um, that I worked with, and they kind of knew each other from the neighbor from being in the same neighborhood together. Those kinds are really hard to get together. Now nah, I know them, you know, uh, like they, everybody has a, right. They have a story in their head. Oh, they dated this one. That's my friend. I can't date them. There's a million reasons why I can't date you. Meantime, it's a brilliant idea. <laughs> and I'm going, please, please. So, um, I, I often, when I encounter this as one couple, I was like, listen, you know, I'm going to set her up with somebody else unless you're really ready now. I mean, I just like, this is a great idea, but if you're going to pass on it, just say to me, Eliza, I want to pass. I'm not interested and I'll move on. I'll give her a different suggestion, but I just, I want to make the offer to you first. I think it's a great idea. And, you know, hearing that like the FOMO, the fear of missing out, uh, really, really motivated him to say, okay, fine, let's, we'll, we'll go out. It's, it's okay. I'm ready. I, I, I can, you know, I can do it. And, um, and they went out and, uh, and it was, it was like a beautiful connection and something that, you know, something that I had seen that they started to see that just unraveled very naturally. Um, and it was several months of dating in the more observant world. People are getting, they're dating and getting engaged within three, two, three, six months. It depends on the couple. Um, the more religious they are, the shorter the timeline is. And so they got engaged um, within a couple months and got married within un- under eight months. Um, and and they're just, you know, like they just sent me a message like, Mazel tov, it's our anniversary. We've been together. You know, it's oh, been wow. six years. Can, do you remember when you had the idea? I'm like, of course I remember the idea. I know exactly where I was and what I said and when we spoke and um it's, it's special. You know, they send me pictures with the kids, you know, look, and, and here's the new one. And it just warms my heart. So satisfying. That's so yes. incredibly yes. satisfying. I feel that way as a marriage therapist, when couples are able to turn their marriages around so I can relate a little bit. I know today people are just so frustrated with the dating game, Alita, right? It's just, it's tough. And yet the benefits of a matchmaker, talk to us about those, how I wish I'd had a matchmaker back in my dating years. How I wish I'd known you then. Yeah, the benefits of the matchmaker are that you don't have to do it yourself. So either you get to be your own matchmaker and you should just figure it out and do it. We have courses, by by the way, like be your own matchmaker (laughs) that can train you how to do exactly what we do. If you're like, I'm motivated and I'm going to save money, I'm going to do it myself. Great. Take a course. Um, But the benefits of hiring somebody is that you say, listen, 
this isn't my area of expertise and I haven't been doing well at getting the right people in my life. And I also need support in terms of building the relationship and navigating it and making sure when I do get a good person in my life that I don't even mess it up because finding the right person is not the hardest thing to do. Yeah, Finding them is hard, but actually keeping them is the hardest thing to do and not messing up a good thing and knowing, having that soulmate clarity when it is the right thing, when and how to move ahead. So it's not a matchmaker really has three jobs, okay? The introducer, they set people up. That's just job number one. Everybody calls that the matchmaker. They think it's the only job a matchmaker has to do. Number two, mentor, coach, walk the walk, talk the talk, get them through this process gracefully. And number three is what we call the closer. Either you're going to get married, it's the right person, you know it, I know it, and everybody's happy, or you're going to walk away and you're also going to be happy. It's going to hurt. It's not going to feel good, but you're going to be confident that this person wasn't for you and that you made the right decision. So the matchmaker's job is to do all of those three things and to guide a person through it. And if one person can't do each of those jobs, then you might have two or three people that step in at different points of time to help somebody through a match. Yeah, I like that. I like that you... It's not just about bringing them together and then you're like, okay, now I'm done. But it's it's kind of holding their hand and kind of coaching them through this. That's really helpful. There's there's also something with matchmaking, and this is one of my favorite ways to do matchmaking, which is what I call mystery in your history, which is when we look back into your little black book, not mine, and I pick somebody out of your life, your circles, either you dated them or somebody suggested them or they're the brother or sister or the friend or the coworker of somebody and you get never went out. But like there's this match that's sitting on the table that nobody identified. It's like, you know, when the chef comes into your kitchen and pulls mm -hmm. random things out of your pantry and then makes this gourmet meal and you're like, you're kidding me. That was in my kitchen. Yeah. I could have yeah, made that if only I knew how. So that's mm. what I do with mystery in your history. And I pull people out and I tell people that about 35% of the people that I work with actually have a match from their history and not from the mystical, magical future. Interesting. Wow. Right within yeah. their own right. sphere, right? And it's yeah. there. It's, and they're like, no, either no, or maybe, or no, there's no, I love the people that tell me there's definitely nobody in my life. I'm like, good. Now I'm a hundred percent sure there is. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that's great. Now, Elisa, if, if listeners are, are interested in learning more, you know, how do they get started? Not necessarily as a matchmaker, but on the other, other end of that, um, I'm sure it can kind of be intimidating for some to jump in and start this adventure. What do you, what do you suggest? So in for singles who are looking to, to start dating, who want to learn about matchmaking. So I did start a podcast that's called matchmaker matchmaker. And I do this podcast actually with a rabbi and we just take one dating question and we answer it in seven to 10 minutes, something like that. And we dig in deep into one question. And I love this because we stay hyper-focused. And so you could literally look through the whole, you know, I think, I think we have over 50 podcasts right now and they're very quick. They're very easy. And if you like the question, you just listen to it and you know, you're going to get the answer. And if you don't like it, you can skip it and you go to go to something else. So it just gives you like a taste of uh, matchmaking with kind of like dipping your pinky toe in the water and, and not having to dig in heavily. Um, if you look up my name online, I I've written over a hundred articles on dating and relationships and I have advice and it's good for anybody, all ages, stages, backgrounds, faith-based, you know, secular, religious, it doesn't really matter. It's just, to be honest, it's just good advice. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yeah. The, the, the individuals you work with are Jewish of the Jewish faith. Is that right? But anyone That's can, 
Tell, tell us how that works. Yeah. So um, we have our strongest network in the Jewish matchmaking world. That's where we um, have all of our connections. But in addition to that, we are also connected. I have a whole team of matchmakers and coaches, and we are connected to um, matchmakers internationally of all faiths and all backgrounds and all locations. So we have, because of the show, had millions of people watch the show and thousands of people contact us. And if we don't, if it, like if we're, if they want coaching, for sure we can do coaching. But if they want matchmaking, then we refer them to one of our colleagues who we know is in their area, in their, you know, whether they're faith-based or the right fit. So, so we could still be a matchmaker and match them to mm-hmm. the right matchmaker. Yeah. So there's probably people right here in Utah. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. Absolutely. Aliza, yeah. we have a favorite question and we know you're a married person and you love marriage and that's what your passion is and helping people find each other. What would you say is the key to a stronger marriage connection? I think the key is knowing who you are and knowing who your partner is and then where to shift and move, right? Like I, I know who I am. I know what trips me up. I know what bothers me. Okay. So I could share that with my partner and, and I know what bothers them, right. Or what I do that gets under their skin. So I could get out of their way and I could manage to move around it. And I think that if we kind of do this dance, this, you know, verbal, nonverbal dance with each other and try not to get under each other's skin and try to bring out the best in each other and in ourselves, I think that that is something that helps a marriage long-term. It's something that a marriage needs and it's something that a couple can always grow with. doesn't matter if you've been married 50 years, you know, they, you're still squabbling and, ah, nah, 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 and you do this and I do. get, get out of each other's way. You've been doing this for 50 years. You, you could figure it out by now. You know, you don't have to be a behavior scientist to know what to do. You can just be a married person and navigate around your partner. Yeah. Some people, when we have those squabbles, we think, oh, we're the only ones that fight like this, right? Or have this debate. And yet it's in every marriage. And I, I like what you say that. it'll be better with somebody else. Oh, it'll be better if I All find right. a different partner. <laughs> no, it won't. It'll yep. just be a different fight, not a better fight. Because wherever I go, there I am, right? Wherever I go, I'm going to hear the same That's darn things. From this, you bring this 50% partner that I heard from that partner. With you You're, you yeah. are the 50% of the problem. <laughs> That's right. I am it. Oh, very good. I love that. Yeah. Lisa, where can people... Uh, find you as far, I mean, social media, websites, and we can put all this in the show notes as well. But where's the main, is there a main place, website where people can find you? You can go to my name, Aliza Ben Shalom. You'll spell it out for them. And uh, you can find me there. You can also find me on Instagram. That's our largest social media following. But at my website, Aliza Ben Shalom, you'll find the courses and the coaching, the mentorship and all of the support that we offer. Awesome. 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 Hey, before we let you go, do you have a, uh, a take home message? We call it a takeaway of the day that you want to share with our listeners. I have a new phrase or a new mantra that I'm living by, which is world peace begins at home. And in order to really change the world, in order to bring peace and improve the world, it begins at home. We need to build a home. We need to find a partner first And then we need to build a home and then we need to build our community and then we change the world. So my takeaway message is to do your best to love yourself, to be whole within who you are, 
to find a partner when you do find a partner to do your best to live with that partner and to build a family. You know, if you have children, go have more children. If you're done having children, you should have grandchildren and that everybody should be blessed to see and to know that they, by building their own home, are really building peace and bringing peace to the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Liz, what about you? What's your takeaway? You know what I loved, Elise, about what you shared is um, the, this whole notion of intention, of really being able to cast out that belief that that person is here somewhere. I just need to find him, her. Right? There is that, but I think that there's just that hopelessness of like, oh, there's no good men in the world or all the good ones are taken that I hear from a lot of my single friends. And you really trump that by saying, no, it, it, he's he or she is out there somewhere. Just the belief, the believability and planting that seed and that intention. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. That's great. And, and yeah. Dave, do you have a takeaway from today with our time with Elisa Ben Shalom? Yeah, this has been such a fun uh, conversation, Elisa. We appreciate you come, coming on again. I think my takeaway is the, I love the, the many factors, right? It's not just like you kind of look at one person, look at another person, be like, mm, they would be a good match. But there's so many factors. That, you talk about the, the outside and the inside of the, the virtues, the, the values, the personality, all of that that goes into it. And I love that you say he, it's not just about bringing them together, but holding their hand, kind of helping them, coaching them uh, along the way, I think is, is critically important. And then if it doesn't work out, it's okay. It's not about forcing people together, but helping them find each other. Beautiful. Well, Aliza, so fun. again. Good luck to you, Aliza. Yes, That's a good work. A, a fun conversation. Thank you so much for, for joining us yeah. today and sharing more about what you do. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been beautiful. Yeah. All right, friends. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Stronger Marriage Connection. And Liz, what do we like to say? There is just such hope out there, isn't it? But remember, all of our friends and family, it's the small and simple changes that create a stronger marriage connection. Take care now. See you next time. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel, where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.